Father, you are worthy. Sing it. Ready? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You are worthy today, Father, to be praised. You and bless you today in spirit and in truth. We thank you for your presence in this place. And all God's people said, Amen. Three teens were arrested today for defacing the Kensington Park War Memorial overnight. The destruction includes painted messages against the military and the war in the Middle East. The three teens were picked up in the early morning right. hours after evidence was left at the Grandpa? Something wrong? Some people sure have short memories. And those who are too young to know need to be taught. Come on, I, I want to show you guys something. to defy gravity. To honor my family, I lived in the belly of a beast. I fixed the hearts of iron monsters. I became a worm in the mud for dignity, for honor, for righteousness sake, for God and country. I fought for you. I fought for you. For you. I fought for you. I fought for you. I fought for you. I fought for you, for you, for you, for you, for you. I fought for you. I fought for you. I fought for you, and I do it again.
Are we thankful for our veterans in this place this morning? Amen. Thank you. Remain standing just for a second. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I received an email this week uh, from a lady who is in uh, Germany. Actually, her and her husband are majors. They're in the Germany, work, uh, in Germany working at a hospital where Afghan and Iraqi soldiers and our people go to receive treatment when they're injured. And this email tells about a story of one of our men uh, going back into a, a highly uh, a battle zone that's really, really, um, there's a lot going on. And he went back under fire, and, he, and he, he, when he rescued this Afghan soldier, he was injured as well. But they both were able to receive treatment, and uh, it says in here that as he received the Purple Heart, that uh, the Afghan people, as well as the Afghan soldier, was very, very surprised that an American uh, would do that, would go back for, for, for not one of their own. And he was very, they said it blew the people away. And, um, and it, her email said that, that it won't be reported in the news. He said, but we wanted you to know. And um, I've gotten to know this, this lady over email. I'm just letting her know that we pray for them. And, um, and she wanted to know, she said, so in this week of Veterans Day, feel good in knowing that there are true heroes out there that are still wearing the uniform um, and still believe in what we're doing. And they're, they're taking over, or they're keeping going, what you guys started long ago. So veterans, we want to thank you this morning. I want to thank you this morning. Amen. Wow. While you're standing, too, because you're going to stand again anyway, we are so blessed that today is our first official day as uh, Pastor Levi, Skipper, Krista, and their family are here with us today. Would you guys welcome them this morning? One of the first things Pastor Levi gets to do is to baptize his son in our, in our service this morning. So you guys be seated, and, and that's how we're going to start the service. Pastor. Very good. Thank you, brother. We're excited to be here this morning. Awesome, awesome opportunity to celebrate the veterans and really say thank you for the sacrifice that you guys have made and those who are still making sacrifice. You know, it reminds us as well that God paid the ultimate sacrifice to free us from our sin, death, hell, and the grave. And he did that through his son, Jesus Christ. So God actually sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for our sin, was buried, and he was resurrected. And now this morning, whenever a person is baptized, they're literally preaching a sermon without saying a word. Because they're talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which has changed their life. But also reminding you and just saying without any shame whatsoever that their lives have been transformed by Christ. And now they're letting people know that. Amen. And it is a privilege to be able to baptize my son. So come on up here, brother. We're going to put you in a cow trough. You all right? You good? Let me step you real easy over this side. All right, just have a seat. All right. Now, whoa, you're going down, ain't you, bro? Can y'all see him? I promise he's in there. But uh, Garrison has prayed to receive the Lord. It's interesting. After we went uh, fishing one day in preparation to come here, um, we actually went back to my room and uh, shared the gospel with him, and he prayed to receive the Lord. So I was very excited to see him make that decision. So Garrison, we're baptizing you now. I've already talked to him about it. And Garrison, based upon your decision to follow the Lord as your personal Savior, I baptize you, my son, and now my brother in Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, bear with him in baptism 
and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. All right, Levi didn't get this opportunity, but would all Levi's family uh, please stand, uh, those that are here with them. Thank y'all for being here this morning. We're glad. There you go. Keep going. Friend. Okay, Michael. Michael Hill is going to get the opportunity to baptize his daughter, Lindsay, this morning. Michael's our instrumental director. Very thankful to have uh, Michael and Stacy and their family here. And Michael gets to baptize his little girl today. See, all right? Here. She's still in there. What up, Megan? Were you okay? Was it cold? All right, buddy. <laughs> that was awesome, dude. All right. things that parents have to worry about these days with schools and community and all this bad stuff happening. But I can truly say now that there's one less thing that I have to worry about because all three of my children, when the Lord comes, will be going home with, with Jesus. Lindsay and her mom and I sat in our bedroom a few weeks ago. And she had been asking questions on the way home. We got home, and uh, it was late, so we were just gonna let her go to bed, and it just wasn't working. She wasn't didn't want to go to bed. Uh, kind of one of those five-year-old tantrums. And Stacy said, "We've got to do this tonight." So we came in the bedroom, went through a, a wonderful little track that we have for children her age. And after we prayed, and she prayed to receive Jesus in her, into her heart, and you could just see the, the glow on her face. And we talked about how now that not only is she my daughter, but she's now my sister in Christ. And based on that, your profession of faith, Lindsay, I baptize you, my daughter, now my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right, what, can I have all of uh, Michael's family please stand? We have a lot of those that are here with us today. Would y'all welcome them as well? Thank y'all for being here. Larry Sartain, where's Larry at? Very thankful to have Larry and his family here. There you go, man. And... Uh, be baptizing Sam this morning. Sam, you uh, were baptized at an earlier age, but you weren't quite really sure that you understood what it was you were doing and and the commitment you had made. Is that correct? And and you uh, wanted to nail that down and. And to make sure of that, uh, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. It's the best, best decision you'll ever make. Your mother and I are very proud of you, but we're very humbled and grateful to an eternal loving Father that saw fit to bring you to this moment. And we're grateful that you accepted that call. Sam, have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Okay. Have you asked for forgiveness of your sins? 
Are you willing to trust in him as Lord of your life? Okay. Then through the commandment of our Savior, I baptize you, my brother Sam, in Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried with him through baptism, risen to walk in newness of life. Amen. I love it. Carlton's got a few more uh, college students that he's going to... Hey, buddy. Uh, the family of the Sartains. Yes, I'm doing the family right now. The family of the Sartain family. Would you please stand? The family of the family. Thank you, guys. I'm going to ask uh, Kayla to come up. This is Kayla Gridley. I'm going to help you up so you don't fall. Kayla, um, through friendships and through connections came to our church and uh, God's been really neat in how he's drawn her. And so I'm gonna ask her, she feels comfortable, just kind of shared a little bit of that testimony about what God did. Um, my parents brought me up in the church and I was so thankful for them that they loved me that much. Um, but through friends that I've met in college and my roommates and my sorority sisters, they have all challenged me to um, take more responsibility of my faith. And I really feel that it wasn't just them. God was working through them. They were beautiful vessels to me. And um, I'm so thankful for every single person and that, Lord, that the Lord loves me this much to give me a second chance because I really do not deserve it. I am a sinner. We are all sinners. And I'm so thankful for this opportunity. If you are, yeah, please, please. If you're a friend or a family member of Kayla, would you just stand up so we can recognize you right now? Thank you guys for being here. Thank you so much. So Kayla, my sister, because of your profession and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you now, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, next, I'd like to introduce Caleb Gilliland. Caleb has been a part of Concord Student Ministry and a part of my life for seven years. Um, and Caleb, when he came to Concord, uh, Caleb was a big boy at then. He's a bigger boy now. But it was a unique situation where I saw daily God working in Caleb's life. And now that Caleb's in college, um, God's done some unique things. And I just want to get an opportunity. Can you just share for a second what God's done through that process? Um. Grew up in church, did a lot of good things, thinking I was a Christian, played the religion game, and uh, I may cry right here. That's pretty scary. Um, realized that growing up I was afraid of hell, and uh, that's why I did the good things. 
after I got in college, I realized that uh, it's not about not going to hell. It's about loving Jesus. So much like the prodigal son story, I related to the older brother. I was uh, doing a lot of good things because I wanted to uh, please the father that I would get everything he had to offer me, not anything I had to offer him. And ultimately, I have nothing to offer him, but because of Jesus Christ, I can. So after Steve had talked about baptism, that there's a process, there's belief, and then there's baptism, Caleb said, you know, I kind of got it backwards. And so I said, man, let's, let's do it. Let's do it right. And so if you are a family member or a friend of Caleb's, would you please stand up so we can recognize you? Thank you for being here. Thank you, guys. So my brother, I get an opportunity now to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Isn't that good? <laughs> Some of you guys may think that's easy to give a testimony while you're sitting in a hot tub. I mean, you know, <laughs> what a blessing. Wow, what a neat way to start off our service today. And if you're visiting with us at Concord, we do this all the time. We have church. So uh, thank you for being here with us today. Uh, fill out the little card, drop it in the offering plate later on uh, so we can have a record of your visit. That would be a big help to us. But man, home folks, stand up. Let's find somebody we don't know. Tell them it's good to see them at Concord this morning. Do that right now.
love the Lord this morning, say amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Father, we bless you. And we want you to be lifted up in spirit and in truth today. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Good to see y'all. Y'all can be seated. Today, Pastor Levi is going to be in Psalm 1, choir singing Psalm 3. Today's a psalm day. And I pray that this song will minister to your heart as it's ministered to mine over this last week or so.
Come on. Woo, you can preach now. Well, why don't we let this choir know how much we appreciate them as they're headed out. Very, very blessed, to say the least. They put a lot of time and effort into that, and we want to acknowledge their abilities. Man, what a wonderful, wonderful time. Listen, if you've got a Bible with you this morning, say amen. I want to invite you to open it with me, if you will, to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, and as you locate that, go ahead and stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. And we're going to dive in this morning and talk on the subject, a spiritual avalanche, a spiritual avalanche. The Lord really uh, worked this morning, saw some people come to Christ, so I was very excited about that and totally believe God's going to speak to our hearts. So you got it there in front of you, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. You got it there? Say amen. amen. Let's look at what the Word of God says. The Bible says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They're like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the Word of God, the opportunity to study it together. And we would ask that you'd speak clearly to each one of our hearts. Father, our sincere desire is to hear from heaven so that we might be changed, we might be transformed, we might leave here with a greater passion for your glory, a greater desire to advance the kingdom of heaven through the gospel of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, speak through me however you see fit so that Lives might be changed and altered. If people don't know you here personally, I pray you draw them to salvation this morning. But stir each one of our hearts and do a great work, and we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. A spiritual avalanche. We're going to talk about that over the next several weeks with one another. So I want to encourage you to make sure that you're involved in all of our services. I believe God really does have a word for you to encourage you in your daily walk with the Lord Jesus. But let me start off by saying to you this morning that God has actually designed you to live a happy life. It's not a life absent of temptation, not a life absent of trials, nor a life absent from suffering, but a happy life in spite of all of your circumstances. Do you know the miserable Christian, the most miserable Christian on the planet is the one who has one foot in the kingdom of darkness and one foot in the kingdom of light. That is, you have enough of God to be miserable in your relationship with the world, but you have enough of the world to be miserable in your relationship with God. God has not designed any of us to be half-hearted in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus delivered a message to the church at Laodicea in which he said, and I quote, I know your deeds. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm, you're not hot or cold. I will spit you out of my mouth. You know, the region of Laodicea was predominantly known for two things, their cold springs and their hot springs. Their cold springs brought great refreshment to those who were thirsty. Their hot springs were visited by those who were sick and were thought to offer medicinal value. I had the privilege to be in Ethiopia just over a week ago, but 
On a prior visit there, someone had carried me to the top of one of the mountains there. And there on the top of the mountain were several hot springs and several people also getting into them. And they told me about those springs that people would travel from great distances just to dip into the warm water. And it offered medicinal value. That's what the region of Laodicea was known for. Jesus says to them, you are not cold. That is, you're not an agent of refreshment to thirsty souls. And he also says, hey, you're not hot. You're not an agent of healing to wounded souls. In fact, he goes further and says basically that you are indifferent. That is, you are lukewarm and you make me sick. Now that which makes the Son of God sick will always make the true Christian miserable. It is a disease. It's called a lukewarm life. It is a spiritual avalanche. The psalmist begins by saying, and you can see it there in your Bible, Psalm 1 and verse 1, how blessed is the man. So he's saying blessed is the man. Everybody say blessed. blessed. It speaks of internal happiness that is not determined by external circumstances. You see, you were designed by God to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. A thermostat remains constant no matter what the external temperature. But a thermometer goes up and down based upon the weather. Well, as a thermostat, your happiness in the Lord is fixed in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But as a thermometer, your happiness, your joy in the Lord is determined by the seasons of your circumstances. A thermometer lifestyle is most evident in what we call a backslidden life. I thought I'd win a lot of friends here this morning and preach on backsliding Christians. Amen. But Psalm 1 and 1 describes the progression of a backslidden life using three major words. Those words are walk, stand, and sit. Didn't you see them there in your Bible? Look again at verse 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers. There's a phenomenal picture of this action of backsliding happening in the Old Testament. It takes place in the life of Abraham's nephew named Lot. There was a huge argument that broke out between their workers. They were sharing the same land, but some of their possessions were getting mixed up and people were breaking out into arguing. And something had to happen, something happened to happen quick. So Abraham went to Lot and said, hey, you choose the direction that you want to go and I will go in the opposite direction. And so Lot looked out, the Bible says, toward Sodom and Gomorrah. The place was beautiful in that direction, all right? It was well watered. It would be a perfect place. I mean, tons of plant life. And so Lot looks out towards the city of Sodom. So what, by the way, if the city of Sodom was filled with immorality, idolatry, and it's known for its loose lifestyle of sexual perversion? So the Bible says, and listen to this, Lot, this is awesome. He actually chose to walk toward Sodom. The scripture says in Genesis 13, 12, that Lot moved his tents as far as Sodom. Now, it wasn't enough for him to simply get right up to the city line. The Bible says in Genesis 14, 12, that Lot now was living in Sodom. So he moved right up to the city limits and now he goes in there and now he's standing in that particular place making a life there. It's only a few chapters later for this backslidden man Lot to come on the scene again. He's already walked that way. He's now standing that way. And just a few chapters later in Genesis 19, 1, guess what we find him doing? The Bible says that Lot was sitting in the gate 
of Sodom. So he actually held a place of honor now in this ungodly particular place. So Lot didn't start off sitting there. It was a progression. It proceeded. Listen, it, it proceeded by his standing and his walking. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is what happens to a Christian who gets their eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ. You choose to look towards Sodom. You choose to go towards the world's way of thinking and living. Stand there for a little bit, and before you know it, you're seated there. You know, the bottom line is there are some of you here this morning. You came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you had a passionate desire to glorify God with your life. Don't you remember that day? When you came to Christ and you really began to grow in your relationship with the Lord, man, your whole attention, everything that you were was focused on your relationship with the Lord Jesus. But then something happened to a lot of us. Now, something took place where we took our eyes off of the Lord Jesus just for a moment and began to kind of look off into the distance. We're looking at how the world lives. And uh, before you know it, when you begin to look that way, you begin to walk that way. Y'all see what's happening? And then once you walk that way, then you stand in that particular place. And let me come over here and do it. And before you know it, you actually find yourself seated in this ungodly life as a follower of Jesus. Y'all still out there? Amen. That's, that's a backslidden walk with the Lord. Look at the preacher just a minute. Eyeball to eyeball. Look at him. Look at him. If you are seated like this and it doesn't bother you, you are not saved. Because whenever you begin to backslide as a follower of Jesus, it always, listen, always makes you miserable. Y'all still out there? I didn't preach this hard in the first crowd. Uh, I don't know if I'm just hungry and mad or what it is. But anyway, so. Uh, but it does happen like that. And, and what I fear is that there are a lot of people who have taken their attention off of the Lord and they're just miserable Christians. And so whenever you come to church, you don't get stirred by worship. You don't get stirred by the Word of God. You don't get stirred about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't even enter into your mind that when we come together collectively, this should be an overflow of what your life has looked like all week long. That's when genuine worship happens, by the way. When you're worshiping all week and then you just show up. I mean, you're just so full, you're going to splash on other people. Y'all all right? That's how it ought to be. So this morning I'm going to preach. <laughs> I'm going to show with you, or share with you rather, uh, let's talk about what a sliding life looks like and then what an abiding life looks like. Now I know you got filling the blanks. I'm going to give those to you at the end of the sermon. All we're doing this morning is laying a foundation for where we're headed for the next several weeks with one another. And I'll explain that to you. But somebody says, preacher, tell me, what does it look like to have a sliding life? Well, let's just investigate the scripture. That's a good place to go, isn't it? And we'll start there in verse one. Look at it again with me. I want you to see the first phrase. Blessed or happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now the word walk describes a person's day-to-day -day life. The word counsel speaks of advice, or purpose derived from someone else about how to live. And then the word wicked is pregnant with meaning, but let me just give you a bit of it now. It literally means to be godless. Those who have no relationship with God. Now, whenever I study the scripture, I like to kind of squeeze all the words, get as much as I can out of them, and then just put them all back together. So listen to what the psalmist is teaching this preacher. Happy is the man who does not have his day-to-day -day life lived 
by the advice and purpose of those who have no relationship with God. Let's go a second thought. Notice your Bible again. Happy is the man who does not stand in the path of sinners. So what are the key words here? The first word is stand. It means to remain in. It gives the imagery of someone who is adamantly fighting for his position. Now the second word is path. It describes a person's direction. It's used figuratively, listen, of a person's moral character. And then finally, though, we have the word sinners. This is the person who is considered a criminal before God because of both their attitude and action. So they are actually godly, godless. So we put all of that together. What does it teach us? Listen, happy is the man who does not fight for his position with those who are directing their lives in opposition toward God. You know what I found? There are some Christians, whenever they begin to backslide, and somebody points out their sin, they will fight for that sin. It's amazing how it happens. Matter of fact, some, some people don't like to hear preaching because it kind of rubs them the wrong way. Maybe the preacher, you were good to go till he mentioned your sin, right? But as soon as that came up, no, no, don't you talk about that, man. I'm fighting for that. You always fight for sin when you're backsliding. Y'all still out there? So... I'm so glad y'all aren't voting tonight. Amen. <laughs> Let's talk about that last phrase. Happy is the man who does not sit in the seat of the scoffer. The word sit is a word which means to abide in, even used to describe the act of marriage. And then the second key word is seat. It's a word akin to sit, but it just describes a person's place in life. And then finally, the word scoffer. This word's almost ridiculous, man. It's actually described in the Dictionary of Biblical Languages as a night hag. Can I get a witness? Uh, it's a term used to describe a night demon and is described in this manner in Isaiah 34, 14 as a screech owl. Uh, whenever I began to study this particular word, I actually found that in Edom, there was a valley full of trees that people dared not walk into in the evening. The reason is they believed that it was actually haunted, I guess, by demons. But what was going on is that there were owls inside of the woods, and they were screeching all night long, and it frightened the people. Now think about what the psalmist had in mind. Happy is the man who does not marry himself off to those who live in a constant state of screeching at biblical truth. Isn't that wild? You know, they told Charles Haddon Spurgeon on one occasion, you need to be careful how you're preaching. You are rubbing the cat the wrong way. To which Spurgeon said, turn the cat around. Yeah. So, it's the only can joke I have. So y'all pray for me. Now let's just get all on the same page and then I'm going to build something up here in front of you. It worked real well the first service. Hopefully it will uh, this service also. But let's just get the big picture. Happier blessed is the man who does not live his day-to-day -day life by the advice and purpose of those who have no relationship with God or fight for his position with those who are directing their lives in opposition toward God or marry himself off to those who live in a constant state of screeching at biblical truth. Now we've got that in front of us. So what does it look like to live a sliding life? What does it look like to experience a spiritual avalanche in your life. Now, here's the bottom line. I've never been in an avalanche, but I've seen them on TV, all right? 
Whenever you watch an avalanche on television, they will show it. Just the slightest little thing, just the slightest little wind will cause an avalanche to literally just send tons and tons of snow right down the side of a mountain. And I've noticed something about it. It destroys everything in its path. Look at this preacher for a minute. Whenever you begin to slide down the side of a mountain spiritually, you begin to destroy everything in your path. You destroy all your relationships. Totally mess up your life. Y'all all right? So what I would like to do is help you not do that. Because <laughs> I'm your pastor now, all right? So we're going to help you. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a sliding life. Now, again, I'm just laying the foundation. I spent too long doing that this morning, so I'm going to try to go quick this morning with you guys. But I want you to see this, and then, hey, come back to church tonight, because I'm going to start preaching the first principle. Y'all still out there? <laughs> so if you, can't, if you skip church on Sunday night, stop it. All right, y'all ready? I'm going to give these to you. These are in your fill-in-the-blank. What does it look like to live a sliding life? First of all, when you begin to slide, you live, listen, as if God does not exist. You can be a follower of Jesus, but have a lifestyle that says, I don't think God's in control. You can come to church every single Sunday, and listen, you can still live like God doesn't exist. Y'all out there? That is when you, well, let's go to the next one. I got too much preaching me. Y'all all right? So I have to remind myself, I get to come back next week. Amen? <laughs> all right. Here's the second principle. You begin to live by unbiblical principles, right? That's what happens when you live like God doesn't exist. You could care less what God has to say. Y'all hearing me talk? Look, this is what happens. There used to be a time in your life, sir. Hey, man, I'm talking to you, right? You used to be passionate about reading the Word of God. You used to have a desire to actually invest your life in your relationship with Jesus Christ. But somewhere along the line, something happened. I don't know if it was at a church or if it was at work or if it was in your family, but you took your eyes off of Jesus and immediately started living like God does not exist. You could care less about his plan for your life, care less about his will for your life. You've not even, you can't remember the last time you prayed, God, what's your will for me? And then you begin to live by unbiblical principles. You're not studying scripture. And this is what's guiding your life, unbiblical principles. You get up in the, out of the bed in the morning, look at the preacher. Uh, for some of you, you swing your legs out of the bed, you don't think of God. There's no thought of the Lord. Y'all still out there? Well, what happened, man? Used to, you'd get up, you was thinking of the Lord. What happened? This is what happened. Boom, boom. Now, let me give you the third one. You begin to live by selfish desires. Y'all still out there? That's the next step. That's what happens when you slide. This is the idea of walking in the way of ungodliness. You start doing this, you live by selfish desires. That means you make decisions based upon your own selfish desires. Every single thing revolves around you, right? If it's good for you, it's a good decision. If it works for you, you're going to work it. So every single thing revolves around you. Now, just look at the preacher for a moment. When everything revolves around you, it always crumbles, Y'all all right? You will never have joy in your relationship with the Lord if you're led by your own selfish desires. And I'm going to preach on all these in the future too, so let me just keep rolling, scrolling. When you begin to stand, here's what it looks like. 
You're standing in the path of sinners. Here's the first thing that ends up happening for you. Start living with ungodly thinking. Right? And look, here's the deal. You're living like God doesn't exist. The Bible, God's word's not a big deal to you. Selfish desires are ruling the day. Of course you're going to have ungodly thoughts. And then the next step here is you live by ungodly actions. Y'all still with me? Because here's the deal. Look, look, look at the preacher just a minute. As a man thinks, so is he. That's, just something, that's a proverb, isn't it? It's in your Bible. And so you start, and here's the deal. Here's what happens with some of you. Some of you are sitting in here listening to me preach this morning, and you're just, you cannot believe that your life has come to what it's come to today. You're just shocked. I can't believe that I've slid so far. It, you always do that. And this, this one right here, I'm going to preach on at night. So subtle, it happens. Sometimes we don't even know. Let me give you the last, last couple. Here's what it looks like when you start sitting in the seat of the scoffer. Y'all still with me? You inwardly begin to reject and despise God's word. Look at the preacher. You'll probably hear me say this more than once, so I'll just go ahead and say it now. As soon as you come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that the Spirit of God comes to reside within you immediately. But secondly, the Bible teaches that we actually, listen, have to welcome God's word into our life. The Spirit of God just moves in, but you have to open the door and let God's word come in. That's what James tells us. He says that you need to receive the word of God implanted into you so that it can save your soul. And when he says receive it, receive it, it's a, it's a term of hospitality. He's literally saying, welcome God's word into your life. Look at the preacher. Could you imagine if you started looking at God's word and saying, hey, these are friends who are knocking on the door of my life desiring to come in. And then you open the door and entertain them. But here's what happens when you slide. God's word begins to knock on the door of your heart and you keep the door closed. You don't have to be loud about this. You be sitting in church every Sunday and live like this. Y'all still out there? I got a positive side. Y'all look discouraged. Here's the last thing. Outwardly, you begin to devalue those who are sold out to the Lord. Outwardly, you are devaluing those who are sold out to the Lord. Now, y'all can see the picture here, can't you? Here's what happens. God does it. You slide. You start here. And before you know it, an avalanche begins to occur in your life. And then you're at the very bottom. And you're sitting there. And it ticks you off when you hear somebody who's living for the Lord. You hear about people who are out sharing the gospel. And all you can do is sit back and say, who do they think they are sharing the gospel? They're trying to act spiritual. What's their problem? Y'all still out here? Uh, the reason I know these so well is that uh, first, uh, you know, they come straight out of that very first verse. But also I've lived all these. Y'all still out there? Now, I want to tell y'all this after y'all voted me in. <laughs> but look, when God called me to preach, that was the last thing I wanted to do. Are y'all all right? I can't remember what I've told anybody, but I, my goal was to be a country music singer. Praise the Lord, right? All my exes live in Texas. That was the first one I learned to play. I was tearing it up too, boy. 16, all my exes. But anyway, I ain't got no exes anyway. But anyway, so, but what happened was God began to call me to preach. I didn't want anything to do with it. So I had this great concept, or what I thought was a good concept. If I live like a hell, you've got to leave me alone. 
Y'all out there? So I began to live as if God didn't exist. Unbiblical principles, no doubt. Selfish desires, of course. I was living for me, man. Ungodly thinking, understatement. Ungodly actions, yes. I was mean, man. Inwardly rejecting God's word, look at, look at this preacher. I actually read my Bible, but I still rejected it. Y'all out there? Just because you read your Bible doesn't mean you are receiving it. Uh, but this was me, man. I wanted nothing to do with it. When I would hear somebody preach, it used to, it bothered me. So you know what I tried to do? Stay up late on Saturday night. Sunday morning rolls around, I'd find me a good place to sit and take a nap. Y'all all right? Some of you wives are bumping your husbands now. I see this. But it's what happens. Hey, look, when you, don't, when you don't come to church actually looking for God to speak to you, of course you're going to come in here all lazy. <laughs> Are y'all right? still my friends? I really do want to be your friend. But it's what happens. And that's just a natural progression. So inwardly, I'm rejecting God's word. But here's the deal. Outwardly, I devalued those who were sold out to the Lord. And the one who was sold out to the Lord in my life at this time was my mom. She's here this morning. Every morning I'd get up and go downstairs. She's down there reading her Bible. Drove me nuts. What is her problem? Every time I told her I had a new girlfriend, she'd say, is she a Christian? Who cares? Y'all all right? Every time I needed some advice, she's quoting the Bible. So you know what I started doing? Calling her names. Who, who do you think you are? Some Mother Mary or something? Y'all out there? <laughs> now, don't do that to your mom and dad. Amen. All right. So anyway, we got to. But that, that was the natural progression. Here's what happens. And, and let me tell you something. Here's what happened with me. This is wild, man. I'm sitting down one night reading my Bible. Again, I'm still inwardly rejecting it. But I'm reading my Bible one night, and the Lord whispers into my heart. Can I sit right here? Y'all all right? Just look at me. Uh, here's what the Lord whispered in my heart. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was clear as a bell. You will be miserable all your life if you don't do what I created you to do. Right. And here's, here's what I realized in the midst of all that. I'm miserable right now. Are y'all all right? If this is what it's going to be like forever, let's get this thing right, man. So I remember I went to church uh, not too long after that and walked down the aisle to tell the church that God had called me to preach. My sister was so fired, she thought I was going for to get saved. <laughs> but it's amazing. Here's what I've learned. Look at the preacher just a minute. You will never begin to grow in your relationship with the Lord seriously until you identify where you are currently. Right? You've got to assess, where are you on the chart? Are you up here living like God doesn't exist? And man, come back tonight, I'm going to try to make that so clear. Is this describing your life? And you're just miserable, man. It's a spiritual avalanche. And hey, Dad, when you are avalanching, you're messing up your relationship with your wife. You're messing up your relationship with your kids. You're messing up your relationships at work. And you're just sliding. And here's what I found. Um, a lot of guys who are backsliding try to act like it's not bothering them. You know it's bothering you, man. Right? You know you're miserable. So maybe the Lord will whisper it into your heart. You want to stay miserable or do you want to experience joy? Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be happy? Are y'all hearing the preacher? 
So there's the spiritual avalanche. That's the sliding life. Now what we want to do now is say, okay, what does an abiding life look like? What do I do if I find myself over here? How can I respond? Well, look at verse 2 with me for just a moment. The Bible says his delight is in the law of the Lord. The word delight means great pleasure in. So that, that's what he takes great pleasure in. In what? God's word. And then the Bible says, and in his law, he meditates day and night. How often does he meditate on it? Yeah, I'm asking y'all. How often does he meditate on it? Now, check this out. It's only possible for it to be day or night. Is that not true? So how often is he meditating on it? All the time. Now, here's the interesting thing. I study the word meditate, and uh, it's actually, they would use that Hebrew word uh, to describe what a cow does whenever they eat. That's thought it was cool because we got a cow trough over here, amen? <laughs> you know, we, got, we came into our house yesterday where we're staying for a little while uh, until we, you know, get everything moved up here. But uh, Garrison comes in, my oldest son, he, he comes in, he said, there's cows in the backyard. <laughs> I said, I know, that's crazy, ain't it? And then he said, let's go feed them. I really wanted to, but I don't know what they eat. I'm a, I'm a city man, I guess. But anyway, so uh, I did see the cows, though. They're real pretty. And uh, I did, here's what I learned about cows, right? They reach down, they grab something to eat grass. Is that correct? And then they chew on it. Now, this is interesting. They chew on it, get all the nutrients they can from it. Then they swallow it. And then they just hang out. But then they get hungry again. And a cow, they must be lazy because they don't put their head back down in the grass again. Y'all out there? I'm glad. But anyway, so here's what happens. They actually, uh, they, I always say upchuck it. Y'all all right? That's what they do with it. They regurgitate it back to their mouth, chew on it some more, and they get more nutrients out of it. You know what the psalmist is saying? That's what you and I ought to do with the Bible. We reach down, and that's what I'm trying to do. When you came in, you had some cards. Those cards, uh, man, I'm so fired up about those. Those are memory verse cards, right? It's a wanna for adults, amen? You're going to study those that Bible verses. You're going to memorize them. What you're doing is you're chewing on them, and then you put them in. You get spiritual nutrients from them. You swallow them, and then you go to work, and then you regurgitate them. You chew on them some more. Now, here's the deal. We've all got free right to come up to each other and say, what's the verse? What's Matthew 6, 33? What's Psalm 119, 11? And we're just going to start memorizing all these together. Amen? <laughs> so let's talk about what it looks like to abide. We obviously don't want to slide in our relationship with the Lord. We want to abide in Him. So how do we do it? Now, I'm not real smart. I'm glad we voted again. All right? But anyway, so I, I'm not real smart, but here's what I said. Okay, if this is what it looks like to slide then the opposite of these must be what it looks like to abide. So I started working that out. I want you to see what we found. Whenever you live like that, you're living like God doesn't exist. But whenever you begin to abide, you're actually living focused on the Lord. Your entire focus is on Him. And that's where Matthew 6.33 comes into play. We're gonna, I'm going to preach on all these. So let me just lay them out here for you. When you begin to search the Lord out, then you want to know what His Word says, and you start living by biblical principles. And then, check this out, after you learn what the Scriptures say, then you want to be Spirit-filled, Spirit-controlled. And so what happens is you're focused on God. God, what does your Word say? Lord, I need help living out this Word. How does He help you? By the Spirit of God. 
Y'all still out here? This is what it is to walk with the Lord. Now let's stand with the Lord. Here's what happens when we stand with the Lord. We begin to have godly thinking. Not ungodly thinking, godly thinking. How is that happening? Because we're in the Word of God. We're being filled with the Spirit of God. And it alters how we think. Y'all still out there? And then once your thinking is altered, guess what ends up happening? You begin to live by godly actions. So it just comes out of you naturally. And here's the wild thing. Some of you think devotion to God is doing things. Y'all out there? That doesn't, ma that doesn't measure your devotion to the Lord, just your activity. It's where's your heart, man? Where's your heart in all of this? Now check this out. Here's what happens when you sit with the Lord. Inwardly, you begin to welcome God's Word. Now check this out. Then before you know it, outwardly, you are valuing others. You see people who are living for Christ and you are so fired up, you run up and you encourage the fire out of them. Do y'all see the difference? Now I want you to check this out. What is this? Somebody say it out loud. What is that? Yeah, so it's a mountain, spiritual avalanche. What is this? It's a tree, right? Look at verse 3 with me in your Bible. When he delights in the law of the Lord, notice what happens. Verse 3, he will be like a, well, my goodness, firmly planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season. His leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. That's pretty good, isn't it? What we're going to do for the next several weeks is all of us are going to seek to abide in the Lord, and then we're going to be trees. Now look at the preacher just a minute. This is wild. I learned how to keep an avalanche from occurring on the side of a mountain. Are y'all listening? Say yeah. yeah. I mean, I learned this in like an encyclopedia. Here's what it said. Plant as many trees as you can. <laughs> this just looks cool now, don't it? So, so what are we doing? When you become a tree, I become a tree. Look at all these trees in here. That's legit, ain't it? That's what we want to do. Now, look at the preacher just a minute. Here's what, here's what we did. I spent some time with a guy who I knew was sliding in his relationship with the Lord. I took all the principles with me, and I'm going to sit down again. Y'all all right? Just look at me. Don't put your stuff up yet. I might preach a little bit longer. But the guy's sliding in his relationship with the Lord. I knew he was. He's cheating on his wife, cheating at work. All this other kind of stuff's happening in his life. And uh, somebody had asked me to meet up with him. And I know him pretty well. So I went to a coffee shop with him, sat down, and shared. said, man, I've got this whole series I'm working on out of Psalm 1. Check out. This is what he did to begin with. He quoted the whole chapter. Right to my face. Right? Of course, he don't know what I know. So I just, that's good, man. So you can quote it, but not receive it. Y'all still out there? So anyway. So I sit down with him and I go through the whole deal. I show him. I show him all of the sliding side. Show him all of the abiding side. And I just got it on a sheet of paper. I said, what do you think about that? He said, man, that's awesome. I said, well, do me a favor. I'm trying to figure out this thing, right? See if it works. So I turned it around. I said, look, if you had to put yourself in one of these particular positions, where would you put yourself? Y'all still out there? See, it's all good while the preacher's just kind of talking, right? But as soon as he turns around and says, now, where are you? He put himself down here with ungodly thinking. I knew it was further than that. Y'all all right? Men are always much more gracious to themselves. <laughs> I mean, good grief. I knew all sorts of stuff. He was lying to me. But anyway, so, but look, look, until he identified where he was, he couldn't get out of it. He couldn't get over here and start growing like a tree. Now, look at the preacher. 
Y'all still with me? Say amen. Just look at me. I'm tired, man. I've been sweating all morning. Let's pretend you and I have uh, just been drinking some coffee, right? And I just turned it around on you and said, hey, where are you? If you had to say this morning where you were on that sliding side or on that abiding side, where would you put yourself? Y'all out there? Till you identify that, sir, you will not build a strategy to grow. I think that must be the Lord speaking or calling us. <laughs> now check this out. Look at the preacher again, eyeball to eyeball. Here's the deal. If what I've been talking about all morning has not even remotely stirred you or bothered you, and you're just like, ah, whatever. You know, that kid's crazy. Look at the preacher. It's probably because you don't know Jesus. Y'all all right? Because when you genuinely get saved, you genuinely have a hunger to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Look at the preacher just a minute. This is what's wild. I got four kids. How do I know they're all alive? They're all hungry. <laughs> Y'all out there? That's sure enough, isn't it? They eat every day, don't they, James? It's ridiculous what it is. But anyway, that's what they do. So how do you know if you are spiritually alive? Look at the preacher. You're hungry. You have a desire for the Word of God. You have a desire to grow. If that is absent in your life, it's because you're still dead in your trespasses and sin. And you need to be saved. And the Bible teaches that God desires for you to know Him personally. Look at the preacher. I'm facing to share the gospel. Don't shut it out. God so desired for you to know Him personally. He said, I'm going to pay for all your sin. You ought to die for your sin and go to hell. But God said, I'm going to take care of it for you, bro. He comes in the person of Jesus Christ. God the Father poured His wrath out on His Son. Look at the preacher. God treated Jesus on the cross as if He had committed every sin of every person who's ever breathed the breath of life. So He pours out His wrath on His Son. And Jesus dies. He's buried. Didn't stay dead, did He? Three days later, He got up from the grave. And now the Scripture says, Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And whenever you genuinely just say, God, I got nothing. I mean, I'm a sinner. I desperately need to be changed. Hey, I, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. And look at, look at the preacher. And you, sir, man up and say, I want to follow Christ for the rest of my days. When you make that decision, then your life changes. And if there's been no change in your life, there is no Christ there. You can sit in church all your life and go to hell when you die. Y'all all right? So some of you just flat need to make a decision this morning. And then secondly, some of you just flat out need to say, you know what, here's where I am, but I don't want to be over there. I want to get over here. I want to be a tree. Let's all be trees. Amen. Let's have our heads bowed.